and we're back in with another podcast from the Financial Planning Association Conference. Uh, Danny, welcome back. Thanks, Fraser. And we have Brett with us this morning. So, welcome, you, Brett Wright. Thank you. Good I to actually, be here. Um, Brett was one of the first people, life insurance specialists, that I spent a bit of time with. We were at Hamilton Island at a we were. Macquarie Life Conference, actually. So, it's really we nice were. to see Brett again. Brett, there's been a bit of time in between since we've spoken and, and some of our audience may not know your background. Do you mind just filling us in how you came to be an insurance specialist and what you're up to now? Yeah, so um, my dad started our family's life insurance advice business 35 years ago. Um, he gifted me an income protection policy when I was 18. I wasn't in the business at the time. I thought it was a shitty present. Can you say <laughs> shitty on a podcast? Yeah, absolutely um, can. I ended up... I, I don't know any 18-year-olds <laughs> that wouldn't think an income protection policy is a shitty present. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And um, he did explain it and said, look, you do risky sports if you hurt yourself and can't work you know, or never work again, I'm not paying for you for the rest of your life. So here's this thing, you know, just give it a whirl. I ended up claiming on it two years later. Um, I broke my hand. I had an accident benefit. Is that back in the day when you could get income protection policies for risky sports? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Thanks, Dad. Um, yeah. yeah. So I broke my hand. I uh, couldn't do the job I was doing at the time for six weeks. The policy paid from had a day one accident option on it. And I thought this was a pretty cool thing. Obviously, growing up hearing Dad's stories about claims and how he's helped people and things, I thought, I think it's time to join the family business. So, started as the chief photocopying officer, um, did admin for a couple of years, got into advising, and then just yeah worked my way up from there um, to where we're here now. Fantastic. Now, it's, it's pretty easy to dive straight into the uh, an, uh, an ugly assumption that you know a 35-year-old risk insurance business um, is quite traditional. No, yeah. Not so the case? Um, yeah, so when I first started, it was paper files. It was, and I got, I got annoyed with having to walk to the filing room all the time every time you had to do a bit of admin. And so pretty quick, smart, we transformed it into a digital office and um, you know, put technology in, when I say technology, so you know, all the servers and everything to, to go fully digital, essentially. Um, there's still elements of the paper fact finds that we still did with clients in their lounge rooms and things like that, but... Yeah, we had an electronic file. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I've always been interested in software. Um, did software design at school. And, um, yeah, around 2012, 2013, I thought oh, I'd like to build a little software product. And it was when the CIS Act changed to have self-managed super funds need to uh, consider life insurances as part of the investment strategy. So we built a little tool that plugged into BGL and Class, which is the, mm-hmm. the dominant SMSF administrator platforms and um, our platform did life insurance consideration for self-managed super funds at audit time. And um, yeah, so that, that went okay. It, it didn't grow and scale like we, we'd hoped it would and we pivoted that and expanded it out into um, uh, life insurance considerations that mortgage brokers could do, general insurance brokers could do, accountants could do and that went really well and, and that's where we, we really... You know, really hit the accelerator on the technology path. Mm. Yeah. So you've always been looking ahead, a little yep. bit of ahead of the time, and change. And you've actually had to get your hands into changing things and reinventing things, and all the processes and people yep. change that goes along with that. So it, it's you, you were on a panel session um, today at the FPA around the future and what twenty thirty looks like. Yeah. So you've had obviously yeah the vision, but then also you've had to get in and actually make the change process happen. What's yeah. the next? You're, you're sort of on a pretty exciting, yeah, new vision. Going to talk yeah. to us about it and what that whole panel was about. Yeah, so we 
the the software that we rolled out to the accountants, the mortgage brokers, the GI brokers, let's call them referral sources, uh, made it really easy for them to have a life insurance conversation. And then when their clients wanted help, um, the, it would hand over to the advisor and track and manage everything and then keep the referral partner up to date in later years on, you know, do they still have cover and things like that. Um, but it solved a little piece of the big problem, right? The, getting clients was one problem, but we have this end-to-end advice issue with cost to serve and complexity and inefficiency across multiple systems. And um, even though KPM was going really well, the businesses using it to provide the advice were still hitting the same issues I was in my business. So um, they, couldn't, they couldn't serve the demand or the average customer because the cost to serve and the compliance risk had become too high. So... Um, would sort of I'd always sort of wanted to I'd seen what Zero had done in the accounting space and um, always wanted to you know start thinking up a solution mm. essentially that could be end to end that does everything in one platform so that me as an advisor in my advice business I don't have to use ten or fifteen different systems to get the job done I can use one um, you know consumers can have a really good customer experience digitally you know on their laptop on their phone and things like that and access advice really accessibly so. That's where life did sort of started. Mm. Yeah. The zero for risk insurance. Is this uh, is that what we're calling it? That's right. We're labeling yeah. it now. So mm. what uh yeah, what zero was for accounting, life bid is for life insurance. So fantastic. It's a good analogy. Yeah. And and I just want to know where's the business at as as, as of today, before we get too much into that session, the, to, the, where are we going to where is the business at today? Yeah, so I think a really important part is that you don't just walk into the industry and have a solution and say, hey, everybody come use it. It takes, um, and the industry issues at the moment are so deeply ingrained uh, across multiple stakeholders that it takes the industry to working together to solve the issues that we're facing. So, um, yeah, we've got, a, we've got a working group, six of nine life insurers. We've got a critical mass of advice providers, um, industry associations, licensees, and so we're attacking the problems from that compliance piece, that technology piece, the advice process piece, and um, and innovating and and you know that that digital innovation and, and moving forward together. So yeah, fantastic, yeah. fantastic. And um, and I'm just going to quickly throw it out there. If someone wants to find out a bit about that, how's the best way for them to reach out to you? Uh, lifebid.com.au Perfect. Yeah. Lovely plug. Now, onto the session. Let's get into the yeah, so what did you uh, share future. about the session? What do you see um, 2030 looking like, particularly from an insurance lens? Yeah. So, or more broadly. Yeah, so I think um, particularly in insurance. So insurance is different to investments and super and retirement planning and you know, the sexier stuff sort of thing. You know, you know clients just don't wake up and say, hey, I'm going to go buy some life insurance today. Um, I know that sounds old school, but it's the truth. Um, you know, pair of shoes, life yeah. insurance policies. I'm going the pair of shoes every time. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. Bottle of Christmas gin, life insurance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas gin. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And um, and I think it was really interesting. One of the stats that the Quality Advice Review quoted was that in the last four years, um, the the amount of life insurance originated. By with the help of an advisor, so clients taking out a policy with the help of an advisor has gone from seventy percent to I think it was eighty four percent. So, you know, more and more people aren't trying to DIY; they're they're turning to advice to to get help with their mm. life insurance. So, yeah, so I think that's a that's a trend that we can see evolving. And as we move towards twenty thirty, I still you know advisors won't be replaced. So I just see technology doing knowing what we're delivering at LifeBid, we're cutting costs to serve by ninety percent. 
I see technology doing the below the line stuff in a really streamlined fashion and the advisors helping clients with the value add stuff. So understanding what's available, you know, adequately scoping, you know, picking out a great insurer that provides value and great customer service and we have good partnerships with and then being there for that renewal and that claim time the, as well. The thing that strikes me as you say that is, are there going to be enough humans? Are we going to have enough advisors? Yeah, so it's a good... So in the session, the 2030 session, yeah, there's a, some um, data, industry data that shows that 75% of the new business at the moment is being written by 1,700 advisors. So wow. um, we need 17,000, 25,000, 30,000 advisors providing risk advice and we're not just going to do that overnight. right? So we need to increase the capacity and the capability for who's already here to serve more people. So that's the premise behind needing to cut the cost to serve by so much so we can 10x the capability of the advice providers in the market to serve more people. Um, and so if you look at that 1,700 that writes 75%, then the remaining 25% are new businesses written by about 5,000 advisors. So there's a dabbling. So we have a really schmick, easy, cost-effective, um, automatically compliant advice process getting the 5,000 dabblers back into more full-time risk advice. And then the other 7,000 advisors on the far that, you know, they might be qualified to do risk advice, but they're scoping it out or just don't want to do it. Scared, maybe, maybe they're scared of it because of the complexities? Yeah, yeah, getting them back into the game as well and wanting to help more people because when you think about financial planning, life insurance is actually a pathway into financial planning. It's something that you start... Insurance is something that you start with when you're young, when you're having kids, you're buying houses, you're starting businesses, and then as your needs evolve, then you go, you get a bit more interested in your retirement. You go, I might you know, get some investment planning and some super planning and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's about creating pathways into, into risk advice and consumers getting access to risk advice again as well. Yeah, and, and getting, you know, I, I, you mentioned that before about making it sexy because. Um, you know, I guess if, if you've got university students coming through, they're thinking of advice, they're thinking investments, they're thinking growth, they're thinking all these sort of things. Yeah, exactly right. It's um, it's very hard to find a professional year candidate that wants to focus on risk advice, essentially. Mm. So um, you're going to have to have a whole lot more kids to bring them into the family business if you want to ten x yeah, your advice. Well, I've force. got two now, so I better start. Yeah, better start going. And, yeah. Better start buying some birthday presents. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah. Here's your tenth yeah. birthday. So, yeah, is, is your child young. trauma policy? Yeah, I uh, practice what I preach. I got yeah. kids, kids trauma that will turn yeah. into an adult policy when they're eighteen. So, yeah. yeah. So you're obviously dealing with the front end and helping. You know, the idea is to make sure that more people can get protected. A big issue for a lot of people who are writing insurance is the sustainability. Mm-hmm. So once the grudge has been adopted and they've done a whole heap of work of getting that purchase sold, then actually making sure someone can hang on to it because the premiums haven't escalated mm-hmm. so dramatically. Do you have any views on that or do you see that as a future yeah. thing? That how, how could we solve that as an industry? Because it is an industry problem as well. It is, yeah. So... Um Best so life bid stands for life best interest duty. It's not bid as in a marketplace for insurers bid. It's life best interest duty. Um, and you know, a few people have said, "Oh, if it goes to good advice, you're going to call yourself life gar." No, we're not. Um, it's just going to stay as life bid. Uh, and the best interest duty will stay anyway by the looks mm. of it, by the proposals in the QAR. But where were we again? Sorry, the around the sustainability. Yeah, the sustainability. Yeah, because yeah. that's a real trust breaker yeah. for a lot of advisors. And I think one of the reasons they don't actually want to sell it because it's really hard to understand what. What is this yeah. um, future promise? The pricing going to look like on it? Yeah, so I think um, technology has a has a role to play in sustainability, mm-hmm. and I think 
you know, best interest duty isn't just about the the best priced, highly featured product. Mm. Uh, there's a whole lot of other uh, nuances that go into best interest duty around um, the customer experience, the ease of doing business, the the value that different that different insurers provide for different niches of the market. And um, I think if we're going to fix the sustainability issue, we need to get more younger lives into the pool because mm. we've seen you know the under 35s just not getting insured anymore, and they're the younger ones that we need coming into the pool. Um, but then also as well that whole advice process, that best interest duty process, not just focusing on price and product but focused on other value-add metrics yeah. that, um, that are sustainable as well because, you know, there's no point putting in place cover if you're getting 20, 30, 40% increases every year. Now, I imagine when your father started the business that it was very much around that tight agency scenario where for those people that are listening to this that don't know what that is, that means that a life insurance agent, if you like, worked for a company and their best interest was to make sure the pool was profitable yep. as in that kept the premiums down. Uh, we moved to, speaking of best interest duty, individual, and we just had Bernie on, Mr. Best Interest Duty. Individual best interest duty, was, which was actually worked against the pool product yeah. um, because best interest for investment is, is different to best interest for a pool product. Do you think that there could be a future where we, we go back to that conversation of, you mentioned the pool, but focusing on the profitability of the pool? And, then, and, I, and I actually think that you know, with reserve levels and interest rates rising that we're going to see that. Ease because yeah. there's money there. But t- talk to us about the concept of the pool and, and, and best interest of everybody in the pool. Yeah, so yeah, the life insurance is a pool product. It's a pool of many, you know, looking after the unfortunate for the benefit of the community, the communities in our economy, and um, and the same goes for risk advice as well. So yeah, there's the fee for service, there's the commission argument. Um, you know, and reality is commission is pooled access to great advice and high quality advice and access to high quality products as well. Um, so I think it's really important that you know, there is that difference there between investment and super advice where mm. you know, clients have the ability and the interest to pay a fee to grow their nest egg and manage this pot of money that they have. Um, but then life insurance is different where you've got people that need to cover the most often can't afford the advice to get into the pool and, mm. and pick the right, make the right selection in the pool. So, um, yeah, I think we... Yeah, the, we do need the pools to be to be healthier, and um, we really do need to to drive technology to access that next generation in consumer. Because at the moment, the customer experience doesn't cater to the under thirty fives. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't cater to anybody really. Like it's um, yeah, the new business has been going down, down, down. So yeah. Yep. Uh, thank you so much for coming in and chatting with us today on the podcast about the session. So many things we've unpacked. And obviously, uh, the, the, the future is so many opportunities around the future I think with, with life insurance just because of the supply and demand issue and, yeah. and being able to bring that to many many people and I love the fact that there are so like as we've been talking to many people over these couple of days there's so many advisors who have been practicing advisors who've brought forward solutions to solve their problems in their businesses which mm. is fantastic because there's no one who knows a problem like someone who's had to face that problem in a business yeah. so it's really I think that's really exciting that technology is not just being made by tech companies it's actually being made by advisors to solve their own business problems so get in touch with Brett if you've got any questions yeah love the initiative thank you so much for coming along thanks, thanks for having us guys cheers